Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is Reservations, and I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm George Steppenwolf. <laughs> the fuck? Wait, are you... Can I tell you what I was going to say? Yeah. George Steppenopoulos, and that's already a person. So, I think. Is it? I think so. Is he? In? I don't know. What made you go with Steppenwolf? Did you just recently watch Justice League? No. The Joss Whedon version? The Superior version? No, actually. Um, Steppenwolf is a band, first off. First and foremost. Um, but, because I was going to go with Stephanopoulos, and I go, shit, I can't do that. Because I think there is a George Stephanopoulos. It doesn't matter. But then, I was like, what's closest to that? Wait, isn't that fucking... No, it's George Casanza. That's George Casanza. Yeah. No. You were thinking Steinfeld. Yeah. 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 Steinfeld. Jesus. Well, welcome back, everyone. Um, man, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen this episode, man. This one's this one's gonna be pretty heavy. We'll see. I might have some hot takes that'll keep it entertaining at least a little bit. I don't know, man. It, I'm gonna be honest. When I was telling Ashley about the movie, I was like, I was like, this is this is like Requiem, but like more focused on the relationship rather than now, the drugs. Now, let me let me start off by saying. There are two movies called Beautiful Boy, at least that I know of. Um, there is one with Michael Sheen and Maria Bello, with oh. uh, that I have seen. Um, that is about a couple whose son um, shot up his school, killed himself, and then now it's their relationship and dealing with the mm. aftermath of that. It's very interesting. It's a decent premise. I I find that sort of that perspective fascinating because, you know, um, as we get a little bit of that when we talked about we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah. Where the son does something horrible, the kid does something horrible. What happens to the parents? Right. Right. What is that like? Right. And so that's what that movie's about. Um, from what I remember so that's not this movie this is a different movie no. yes. when you said Beautiful Boy that's the first thing I thought of I go huh that's a weird choice um, no uh, so no we're talking about Beautiful Boy from uh, 2018 with uh, Timothy Chalamet and Steve Carell yep um, yeah dude uh, I actually did watch a little bit of this with um, before we get too heavy uh, with Haley, Haley would stop by every now and then and look, and she goes, huh. I go, what? She goes, I know who that actress is. And it wasn't Amy Ryan, because we oh, know that already. Um, the other one. She was in um, Liar Liar. She's been in uh, News Radio. She's been in a bunch of stuff. I don't remember her name at the moment. Uh, but she goes, I know her. And I go, well, have you seen Liar Liar? She goes, no. I go, first off, you should. So, and then, you know, I was going through the first list. First off, Give me the ring back. <laughs> and then I was going through the list of her filmography, and she goes, "Wasn't oh. she in Men in Black?" Or yes. am I confusing yes. her as a different actress? Yes, she was in the. She was in the first one. First one. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Because the second one. Yeah, oh, you're right. Yeah. Um, the second one was Rosario Dawson, right? Yes. Yes. So no, and she always called, and she goes, "She was in the office. She was uh, Robert California's wife." At the tail end of the office. Oh, uh, see, I haven't made Which it is funny point. because I'd said, oh, you're going to freak out once you figure out who uh, plays Her. his ex-wife. Because uh, it's Amy Ryan uh, who plays his wife at the end of the... Spoilers for the office. Uh, <laughs> spoilers for this. A lot um, of office people in this movie um, yeah. that she was pointing out. I think the office is okay. I think it's fine. I think it's a fine show. I think fandom has ruined it a little bit for me. And so I'm a little, I'm a little hit or miss at the office. 
Oh. As of right now, I think it's a great show, but I, I can't watch it. I mean, fandom ruins everything, man. That's true. Like how the Rick and Morty <laughs> fandom almost ruined Rick and Morty. That is absolutely true. And also this podcast. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so anyway. beautiful boy. Um, what made you decide, and when did you first see this movie? Um, well, I first saw it Saturday. Oh, you! This was when you hadn't seen it. Yeah. Okay. We. Oh, that's right. It's your pick. Yeah. Sorry, Jesus. Maybe we shouldn't do a forty episode scene. <laughs> Off the rails, man. I am getting completely. No, it's around. it's all it's all good. Anyway, no, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, right. Okay, so what made you want to choose Beautiful Boy then? So okay, uh, why well, I wanted to choose Beautiful Boy? Um, first of all, it was mainly for Timothy Chalamet. Okay. Um, I hadn't really seen anything he'd done besides his one scene in Interstellar. Um, and then we saw Dune. I was like, damn, this guy's got it. And of course, I'd heard everything about him. You know, but then we did, you know, tell me, uh, call me by your name. Um, and I was like, you know what, what else has he done? And I'd heard a lot about this. And then I watched, um, did you see Ladybird? No, but I've got it. Okay. He's in Ladybird. Well, and I also know he, he, he works a lot with Greta cause he did, he was in her version of little women too. Oh, that's right. I didn't see that. Um, anyway, uh, so then I saw a variety video, uh, actors on actors, it was him and Emma Stone, and they got to this movie, uh, and she, like, fangirled out about how amazing he was in the film, and then how Steve Carell was so amazing in it, and I was like, okay, Steve and, and Timothy, okay, and then I did a little bit more research about the movie, found out it was based on two memoirs, a father and a son, which immediately right there is my jam yeah uh, because uh not to get too personal but a relationship between a father and a son is it hits home for me yeah so i was like i'm sold already and then when we agreed that this would be the theme of this season movies we'd never see i was like you know what perfect yeah two timothy chalamet movies i'll space them out mm-hmm. and it just felt right like now is the time it's been a while since we've done call me by your name it has been a while so it feels like years ago. It's I know. Probably only like a month ago. I know. Um, but it was just time, and you know what? It it was a rough watch, but I loved it. You know, I, I loved it from start to finish. And uh, since I actually, and I'm going to call you out, sure, yeah. followed through with your yes. idea, yeah. And I listened to the Beautiful Boy audiobook. Um, it pretty much plays out exactly. I tried so hard. How. David, Chef, Nick's dad, how he describes exactly what happens. Yeah. We're going to get into that because I do have a couple of questions because um, I tried to listen to Tweak, which is Nick's. um, One of it, as I learned. One of them, yeah. Um, It was, you know, the second sort of secondary book that this movie was based on. And you get a little bit of it, especially with him and Lauren. Yeah, yeah, because Lauren's not mentioned in david's memoir oh she's a big deal in in the book and so is like there are some side characters in there that are on screen for literally seconds uh that are big parts in the at least in the first half i only made it halfway through um <laughs> uh, my job is insane listen i don't want to make excuses i messed up i thought of the idea too late it's, and, you know, but you know it's fine because uh, i mean i've got two hours left in the audiobook and as oh, far I have, as I can tell, I have like seven hours left. As far as I can tell, where the story's going, or at least where David's memoir is going, 
it, it just seems like more of like the aftermath of how he was feeling yeah towards everything but anyway so so i mean we've kind of pretty much summarized the movie it's a movie normally i'd ask you to do it but we've kind of already talked about yeah it. i mean it's a, a movie about yeah. a father and a son um the son has a an addiction to meth and mainly mainly uh and essentially the fallout of that and what his dad goes through to try to save his son that's beautiful boy um i mean we're gonna i kind of yada yada through that but because we're gonna really get into it that's what synopsis Uh, are for yeah but um so where do you want to begin dude let's let's talk about um man i don't know who to start with Let's start with Nick because okay. because it's about it is, but I I want to focus on David later okay. because I, I think we can talk a little bit more about David because you have a lot more knowledge of David than I do. Yeah, and we can go into that. So um, Nick is interesting because um, in his book, at least the first time, he <laughs> um, he describes addiction in such an earnest and very honest way that, you know, he talks about how great it feels. Like, I mean, he's not going to wash over that. He's not going to pretend it doesn't feel amazing because it does. Right. Yeah. And he talks about, you know, meth ingesting meth made black and white into technicolor. That's what he calls it. Right. And I believe it's in the movie too that, that he says that. Uh, um, yes. And yes, it's when he he's, he's when he's, I mean, that's how the book starts. Sober with 14 months. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how the book starts. Is he's like, dude, Matt is like, amazing. Uh, dude. But of course, it goes, it ebbs and flows, and really it focuses on, the book is uh, broken up into days, like day one, day two, day six, day 100, day 300, right? Mm-hmm. So it's breaking out of this. Um, obviously, I didn't get very far, but... Uh, it's it's interesting because he does talk about those lows too, right? Yeah. But again, it's it's all very honest and it's all very the same. He's not favoring one over the other. He is literally just going, "This is how I felt then. This is how I felt then. This is what happened then. This is what happened then." Right? He mentions his dad a few times, right? But again, he's gone so much that David really doesn't play a big part in this book, right? It literally is his perspective, full stop. Yeah, that's account, right. Yeah, everything I read about Tweak. <clears throat> that's what it's about. It's all about Nick's journey, yeah. Nick's struggle. Uh, and yeah, and of course it would make sense that his dad's probably barely... Of course not, right? He's yeah. not going to like try to imagine what his dad... It's not, he's not writing a novel. He's writing basically a journal, right? So, yeah. um, and that's the book, right? So the book goes into a lot of detail uh, about like him getting into prostitution, him um, frequenting... Uh, gay spots and gay bars just to you know get his fix and he might also be bisexual that's fine that doesn't matter but the the movie doesn't hit any of that right yeah. um the movie focuses more on his relationship with lauren which um is a big deal right mm-hmm. um the the book describes that scene of them in the car him trying to revive her right mm-hmm. and him on the phone those are actually it's like verbatim Right. They, yeah, that is something that I could tell that the movie did, yeah, verbatim, like from David's, from the Beautiful Boy memoir. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, so the movie, 
uh, focuses more on David's perspective, which I like, right? I like having the option to, if I want more of Nick, I can just read the book, right? Right. And it gives the movie a different sort of, a different feel to it, because now if you have that knowledge, you know where you're at, right? Like that's And that's exactly how I felt watching. Right? Because, like watching like if i had done both like if i had listened to both memoirs mm-hmm. and watched the movie i think that would be the the complete story yes the complete epic of this story because yeah. knowing where david is at this point and knowing where nick is at the same point right no matter what the movie is showing you you understand maybe nuances in performances or in the mm-hmm. direction or in the screenwriting mm-hmm. you can see where um, where they're focusing on Nick here because of this, right? They're focusing on Nor David here because, right? Right. Um, I think it was smart to only focus mainly on David because when you see a drug addict movie, you focus on the drug addict. Right. That's why I felt like it was almost like Requiem had. Aronofsky focused more on the relationship of Jared and his mom. Yeah. You know, that's, I, I agree. How they, I felt like had they. And less stylized. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like had they, yeah, focused more on Nick, people would have written it off as, oh, it's just another drug movie. Yeah, it's another addict movie, right? And I, and we'll get into more of the, the direction because there are things that I loved about it, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if I loved the movie. That's a hot take. Okay. Um, I I did read a few reviews again. Swamped at work didn't have time, but um, a lot of them said this movie is incomplete, which I thought was interesting uh, because of how it ends. Right, I think the movie gives you a lot of a lot of beginnings and ends, mm-hmm. right, and then it doesn't give you a final end, right. In a way, right? Again, I mean, it, it's a true story. These are real people that are still alive. They're still living. They're still living life, right. Yeah. And so to end it in sort of a a sort of semicolon, it's fine, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, because, I mean, yeah, because, uh, you know, spoiler alert, Nick is still alive. He is. Um, yeah, it's not as really far spoiler. as all my research I can tell, compare uh, from when the movie was released to now, he should now be 11 years sober. As if. far as I can tell, he still is. He's still uh I watched a 30-minute video of him actually addressing, that came out just a few weeks ago. Hmm, interesting. Uh, addressing addiction and, and, and um, like, he was asked to speak about it. Interesting. For and, he, and he's obviously more than willing to talk about it. Obviously. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you know, so I do get that. I do, but... But yeah, but since these people are still alive... Right, it's hard to give it's it an hard, end, right? A, a hard stop, yeah. Right. Um... The end, period. Yeah, I think the way the way the movie was edited, I think you weren't expecting text, right, at the very end. Neither was I. I mean, I, I was expecting them to say, you know, Nick is now, you know, sober and happy. I was expecting that, but... Yeah, yeah. I wasn't expecting it to be over because of the way the movie had been flowing. Yeah. Throughout. But anyway, we'll get to that later. Um, Nick. So... Nick is sort of an asshole. I'm well, not a when huge... He's, when he's... When he's on he, drugs, right? Yeah. Um, 
I love that the film doesn't give you like which is it's so artificial the the sort of the reason or the moment he got addicted I don't like that shit so I'm glad that he is just addicted you know well, what I mean and in, that's in a way well and that's something in David's memoir that he talks about because David tries very hard to understand like the his addiction right. and understand where it comes from the origin because in the introduction which is a with the audiobook, it's like a 20 minute long introduction. Mm. He talks about how, you know, people, when people found out about Nick's addiction, they were like, well, he comes from a happy home. He doesn't come from, you know, a dysfunctional home. And, and David recognizes that their family is very dysfunctional. Yeah. Um, and this is something that is shown in the film. It's not focused on, but it's shown in the film, which is, of course, Nick's parents, Nikki and David, are divorced. Uh, they got joint custody of him. And he had to, at a very young age, fly on a plane to go visit his mom back and forth. By the way, mm-hmm. loved these, these flashback interludes, right? Mm-hmm. And I loved the way... I loved what he chose, right? Because it's it's almost like, and I've said it before, I'm sure, on the show, is I love the sort of flashback that it's it's not a flashback for the audience. It's like he has his memory now. Now, yeah. Right? And it has something to do with what he's doing, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's not just a flashback for emotional sake or for storytelling sake. It's a visual representation of his memory. Mm. Right. Especially, I mean, ones that hit me the most, glad you asked the diner. Yeah. The diner was a big deal. Um, and they even sit on opposite sides, which I don't know if that meant anything or if I'm reading in, which we do a lot. Yeah. Um, as in the memories on this side and then in reality. Yeah. Nick's on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one, of course the airport. Um, um, I'll be honest, the, the airport when he's saying goodbye, to six-year-old Nick. Yeah. yeah, that got me. I yeah. was in tears at um, Ashley's Mima's house. <laughs> uh, I was trying to hide it because they were trying to watch their, their court cam shows. And so I was watching it on my iPad. And so I was crying and trying to like quickly yeah. like... It was fun. Like, well, Ashley was like, oh, I didn't even see you. I was like, okay, good. Good, 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 good. I was, I was, cool, 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 cool. was sobbing my eyes out. Um, yeah. So I love that, right? Mm-hmm. And I like these these little snippets of... You know, and it's it's almost like he's screaming, what happened? Right? Yeah. And, and and that's a big part of David's memoir is what happened. Where did it... Desperately trying to find the origin and finding... Yeah. And if he knows the origin, he can fix it, right? Right. And, and that's something that the movie does talk about. Uh, and that's a big part of David's memoir is addiction is a disease. It's not a choice. It's a disease. But... In these early stages of Nick's addiction, he he is he's he, that's it. He's trying to where did it start? Where can I fix it? Right. And it's through learning and go, attending uh, Al Anon meetings, Al Anon meetings, that he learns that it is a situation where he can help Nick, but he can't fix it. Nick has to be the one to fix it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 
which is hard for for an addict as we see Nick struggling in in the movie. Yeah. You know. The thing that got, that got me the most was you know, when Nick goes off to college, which is a big chunk of the book. Is it? Big chunk of well, I say big chunk. It's a big moment in the memoir because David feels like he's earned Nick's trust or no, uh, Nick feels like he's earned his dad's trust back to let him go to college cuz he just got out of uh, another rehab mm-hmm. um, and then he relapses can I tell you Nick's uh, version of that mm-hmm. I dropped out of college really? that's pretty much it yeah really that's pretty that's much wild. it he really doesn't mention college that much like going like attending well, classes well and of course the, the the story doesn't start there that's yeah. that's past tense in, in this story uh, in Nick's memoir um it focuses really on when he meets Lauren and stuff. Like that's really where it starts and where, you know, a little bit before that, but well, and there's a moment in David's memoir. Cause Lauren, that name does not sound familiar to me. That's okay. But there's a moment in the memoir where David gets a call from someone from where they used to live saying how Nick is helping her. Cause she's been struggling with addiction and Nick's been helping her. And David's like, because this is this is this is really in the throes of Nick's addiction, mm-hmm. and David's like Nick is also addicted right now. Like he, there's no way he's helping her. Yeah, he actually got her addicted to to heroin. Yeah, and, and so. well, David did change names in his memoir, and so did Nick. So maybe well, and I think they used different names too because fuck, they didn't. Uh, I don't think they <laughs> they didn't chat. They didn't. Yeah, they're like, hey, I'm new. I'm so, because uh, the spot when when Nick's in the program, when he's been sober for over a year, yeah. In David's memoir, his name is Randy, not Spencer. Not Spencer. Yeah. Now, dang it, that far. Um, fun fact mm-hmm. for all of you guys out there, um, Andre Royo, who, who plays Spencer, is Bubbles in uh, The Wire, who plays a drug addict. Um, that helps the police every now and then. That's why. Um, for information, and uh, one of the best characters on the wire, hands down, is Bubbles. Uh-huh. And seeing him again in this, I was like, oh man, that's Andre Royal. Oh, dude. No. I was so excited. So those of you who love the wire, uh, who hasn't seen this, check it out. It's a good uh, performance from him. I think. Yeah, but um, yeah, man, and it's so our so kind of what you were saying, armed with this information. I knew exactly what was happening. Right. I was like, oh shit, this Nick's about to fucking relapse. Yeah, yeah, and I And I knew it because the movie really shows it. Like exactly how, again, it does focus more on David's memoir. Yeah. Um, Which, again, I think is smart. I think uh, seeing this side of addiction the from the loved one's side mm-hmm. is very interesting. It's very compelling. I, and especially one that's so determined to help well, and, and I love that the movie starts exactly how the book starts. So, I mean, David starts the book, obviously, with an introduction. And he throws a lot of information at you at once. Mm-hmm. And it's it's when Nick, when they find out uh, that Nick's been using again. Mm-hmm. It's when he comes to stay with them over summer break. Oh, no. And he, they find out he's been using. And he pretty much says, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. You know, it's the scene where, you know, he tells Karen, I don't want your help, okay? 
Yeah, it's when he steals the eight dollars. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. 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 So that's how the book, the introduction starts. But then, the book, David's memoir, is split into five parts. Part one is all about Nick's upbringing. Okay. Uh, which is, I'm glad they didn't focus on that. I would have um, found that very boring. Yeah. Um, but then part two, but part one ends with Nick admitting he's done meth. And then part two begins right where the movie starts with him checking with Nick being 18 years old. David can't force him to do anything anymore, but they still go to a four week program. Yeah. And I, I was like, we're in it. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and I like that. I, I did. I, I liked seeing and knowing like, okay, Nick has already admitted I've used heroin before. Yep. David's like, okay, you're going into rehab. And Nick saying like, no, I'm 18 years old. You can't force me to do anything. But a part of him, a small, very part of him, know, knowing his dad's probably right. That I, sh- I should probably go to rehab. Yeah, I... So, about the upbringing, that would have been very boring. I yeah. like that instead of doing that, they do these these the flashbacks. flashbacks. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant use of flashback. I love it. I think it's very sad. Uh, yeah. But it's it's very compelling, and it's it's better than, you know, a whole 20 minutes. Yeah, because <laughs> cause all throughout that part one, you know, it's talking about, you know, Nick's... Um, you know, being a really accomplished writer, joining the water polo team, um, getting into a very prestigious high school, mm. his first excursion with drugs, how his dad found a little bit of marijuana. And <clears throat> and then, you know, like Nick going to Paris. I do wish they would have included the Paris trip. Because okay. that is integral to Nick's story. I see. Um, because movies already two hours, man, barely still. Um, but it, that is very integral to, to Nick's story because he goes to Paris for mm. a school trip <clears throat> and when they pick him up, he's fucked up like, like really fucked up. Like they take him to a doctor and he's got an ulcer and it's finally revealed in the, in the scene, in the part of the story, but in the scene where, you know, David's asking him like, when did this start? Mm hmm. You know, it's when he's in that really nice rehab place. Yeah. Um, and the story in David's memoir, you know, Nick admits that while he was there, he was drinking wine, he was drinking beer, anything he could get his hands on. Yeah. And then taking ecstasy and, you know, taking really hard drugs. Yeah. So that I would have liked to see, but I get why they left it out. Or at least a notion of it. Uh, yeah. I well, but, I, but I get why they left it out. Because David wasn't there. Right, and I, I think that's the big point because this is more of his perspective, right? right so right, right. that would have been more. All right. Here's what would have been cool. Okay. Okay, and it is doable. Okay. Whether or not it's financially smart, but it's doable. Okay. There's a movie called The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. Stay with me. I know it's got James McAvoy in it and uh, Jessica Chastain, right? There's three movies. Yeah, I know. that Hers, his, his and theirs. theirs. Yeah, I know. So, I think it would have been really cool to get a David, a Nick, Nick and, then, uh, and then a combination. You know that, what I mean? That, but do you think Amazon's really got that kind of money? No. But I think that would have been really interesting because it's adapted from two memoirs. I think That's what, true. Let's do two memoirs, man. Let's not, let's not pick and choose. 
let's let people decide which perspective they want to watch. They would, right. You know what I mean? Which is sort of, you know, that's nonsense. But I, I think that would have been really interesting, really, um, uh, it would have been a cool experience to be yeah. able to watch both yeah, and be yeah. like, oh, that's, and especially if you were to do them at the same time uh, to where you can. Yeah, that, that would, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Anyway, but... that's just a, you know. A suggestion, but yeah. that would have been really cool, you know. Yeah. Because I haven't seen the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, but it's a fascinating concept. Neither have I. But, um, um, of of a film. Um, anyway, back to David. So. Well, well, I think now we're segueing into David. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so okay. David is, he is a devoted father, but he is in that scene in the diner. He is trying to control the situation, which I get Nick's somewhat side of it. But at the same time, it's like, well, how can you blame him? Yeah. Like, how could he not do whatever he possibly could to help his son? I have a question. Ask me your question. There's a scene where David takes something out of a wallet and snorts it. What is it? Whose wallet is that? Is it his? Is it Nick's? So that is something that's not mentioned in David's memoir. Damn it, because I, I would like to think that, and what I thought was it was Nick's wallet he left, he found meth, he wants to know what it's like so he can... Better imp- understand. Better understand. Because that's all he's wanting to do is to help he needs to understand. And that's why he's doing all this research. He's going now, to doctors. Now, with that scene, though, I took it as... Because there, there is a chapter... That David talks about his drug use. Well, and then they have that scene in the car where they're talking about uh, David's drug use. Well, and David's drug use is, uh, it's, I mean, Nick's definitely, Nick had it worse. But David, you know, David lived throughout the 60s and 70s, so he did LSD, he yeah. did cocaine. Yeah. Um, you know, he drank. He said in the memoir he did meth once. Interesting. And he, and he hated it. He said he he never felt worse in his life. He was on edge. Interesting. He now, just, see, I would have. So I think that I think that's what that scene was supposed to. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he wanted to know what it was like. If, if that was Nick's wall, I, I if, don't know. yeah, I like there wasn't enough information for me to understand. It was it was all nonverbal, so I don't know. Yeah. Um. But I I definitely I, I think they did the scene. Because David wanted to know, why does he like this? Even even if yeah. let's say even if it was David's wallet and it was cocaine, mm-hmm. um, it's still a stimulant. And so maybe he's you know let's get back into that mindset and let's let's mm-hmm. see so I can help. Yeah, yeah, and and David, you know, and that scene w- with the joint is exactly verbatim from David's mm-hmm. book. David tells him, like, yeah, you know. Well, the narration is, I smoke a little bit of pot every now and then, but not... And not like, he, he didn't actually say that to Nick. But it's... that's exa- and, and that's actually where David feels like he fucked up. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a parent. I see. Um, like, like, he... Cause, and that's a big part of David's book, is parents take all the, the guilt. And so he feels like, had he been more firm and told Nick to get rid of it and not smoked it with him, maybe he wouldn't have turned to meth. But then at the same time, he's like, 
but would he have still gone to meth anyway? Right. I think, you know, I like that. And again, Steve Carell. Yeah, hang on. Shout out to Steve Carell. Amazing man. performance by Steve Carell. I and Timothy Chalamet. I think those guys are, are amazing in this film. And you want to know something interesting? Sure. Yeah. Um, Timothy, I watched an interview with them today, uh, and apparently they fanboyed over working with each other. And they were asked their favorite. The interviewer said, "You know, who? What's your favorite role from each person?" Um. Timothy said Foxcatcher for Steve. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which I've never seen, but I've... Oh, I've, it's good. I mean... I've, well, I've heard it's phenomenal. It's good performance-wise. Movie-wise, it's fine. But performance-wise, it's amazing. Well, yeah, I've heard Yeah, I've heard it's... I heard Tan, uh, Channing, uh, Mark, and Steve are amazing. They were great, yeah. Steve said it was Beautiful Boy. He said Beautiful Boy was... That's a cop-out. Uh, that's, a, that's a bullshit well, answer. He, well, he even says that. He's like, I know. He was like, I know. But he was like, it's... He was like, Timothy. He was like, you... And Timothy was like, dude, thank you. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, okay. We're done with the shout out. So I like that there are moments where he just feels so guilty, mm-hmm. Dave, right? But after a while, he does have his break where he's like, it can't be on me anymore, right? He does have that, that oh, phenomenal scene where it's near the end-ish um, when Nick calls him and... Dave just says no, right? Like that, no, no money, no. You can't come to the house. Like, now no. that's that's a little dramatized Is for it? the movie. Okay. In the book, I mean, it's kind of like that. In the book, David tells him, "You know what you need to do," because and because Nick is pleading with him, right? Help me. Yeah, yeah. And David says, "You know what you need to do. Call your sponsor. Right. Yeah. Call Randy." Um. And that's all he says. Yeah. And he tells him, he's like, I love you. You know what you need to do. And that's it. Yeah. So I understand that they had to dramatize it a little bit. But, I mean, that is essentially kind of how it went. That David did finally put his foot down. Yeah. And said no. I, the, he touched on it a little bit in the book, uh, but the stealing, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. Because uh, he, he did steal from his dad a lot. And there's yeah. there's a lot of that in. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he stole checks. In, in Nick's book. There's a lot of stealing, and we get, I mean, we get half, half of a scene of him stealing, because then they don't steal it, but, because uh, they run away, uh, except for the $8. Uh, that scene was, so that scene was hard, man, because I... Speaking of the $8. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, I really wish they would have included this. There's a scene, uh, there's a part in the book, where it's after the big relapse. Okay. Sorry, I thought I was going to burp. It's after the big relapse. Yeah. And it's about what I just talked about where David said, no, you know what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Call Randy. Call your sponsor. And Nick starts to get help again. Um, and Nick is getting better. And he's like David saying how he's literally, he's calling us, telling us he's loving his life. Well, they decide. Um, Karen, Nick's. No, uh, Nick's stepmom decides that as a family they should go to Hawaii because they haven't had a trip uh, as a family and they should go to Hawaii and David suggests by this point Nick had been pretty sober for a while and he says can Nick come and Karen agrees and it, it was a big step for all of them and uh, while they're there on their way to the ho- hotel 
Jasper, Nick's younger yeah. half-brother, asks him, are you going to do drugs again? Mm. And Nick says, no, I'm done with that. And then when they got back from Hawaii, like a week later, there was a letter for Jasper in the mail. And it was a letter from Nick. Mm-hmm. And pretty much telling him, I love you. I will always love you. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so sorry. And it was $8. Oh. I really wish they would have included it. Dude, that, that kind of got me. It was listening to it. Because he even says, like, I know this will never make it up. Never make up the pain I caused you. But here's your $8. Now. Yeah, I think that's where you, in the movie, you understand how bad it is. Yeah. How bad the addiction is, right? Um, because, yeah, he's he's a great guy until he's doing drugs and he's an asshole, right? Yeah. Uh, which is an oversimplification, but whatever. Um, I think, let's, let's transition a little bit to the visual language of the film. Okay. So, what this film does very well is it plays with your... How do I want to say it? Uh, your comfortability, well, not comfortability, your um, your knowledge mm-hmm. of previous films and how they work and how they look and how they right. feel. So when when Nick gets sober, we get these these shots of um, with the music in the background, with him going to college, and then it cuts to his dad and his and his wife uh, painting. And playing with the kids, and then he's going to class, and he's meeting a girl, and then they're playing in the yard, and whatever. We get this, and it's, in any other movie, this would be the finale. This is the wrap-up. This is everything's okay. Mm -hmm. But we're 30 minutes in. Yeah. Right? And we do this a few times, where we, we get these sort of montages of everything's okay. Because, again... The filmmaker, whose name is Danish, and I don't know how to say it. At least I, we think he is. Uh, Futurine, hopefully, will be paying attention. Or correct, will correct me. This far in, because I'm going to be honest, he's been slacking on his job. <laughs> uh, every Damn time it. every time I say we need a correction. So hopefully it'll be right here. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, anyway. And he, he knows. Like, this guy knows the visual language of film. Or at least of traditional well and, and, and i love that we're talking about this because i i did watch this feature at we were talking kind of talking about off mic and you can find it it's on um it's on youtube it's a featurette that amazon made and that's one of the things that the producers even timothy chalamet talks about is he understands human emotion yeah and knows how to capture it yeah and i would agree you know yeah um, obviously because you know when we see these things it tricks us into going everything's gonna be okay but right? then, because then, we're so used to seeing this in film already. Yeah. Right. It's taking our previous knowledge and our our exposure to to films throughout our entire lives, and it's playing it against us by tricking us into thinking things are going to be okay, and it's not because this movie just fucking started. Yeah. So, um, and again, it does this more than once. We do this maybe three times. Yeah. Oh yeah. And 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 it does kind of, and it's almost sort of like a. Uh, like it, like they're trying to desensitize you a little bit, like giving us a little bit of hope. Yeah, that things are gonna be fine. Um, yeah, and it's, but it also is very beautiful to see too. Like, cause you do think like, oh great, everything's gonna be fine. 
like when Nick relapses after being clean for over a year. You know, because he's, you know, he's driving away to go back to L.A. We should mention they all live in California, uh, which is a big part of the book. Big part of the memoir. San Francisco and L.A. Yeah, San, yeah, San Francisco and uh, and uh, Santa Monica. and Yeah. Oh, and they don't. Hang on. Sorry. <laughs> I, I just interrupted I, yourself. I meant to bring this up earlier. Um, I was a little disappointed when they talk about Nick's overdose in New York, mm-hmm. that they weren't mentioning that he was living in New York at the time. Mm. He had moved to New York because some of his mom's friends, because, well, I think if I remember correctly, Vicky had moved to New York for a little bit and recommended he come out there. And then that's where he OD'd. But anyway. Besides the point. Whatever. Uh, but anyway, uh, shit. Oh, uh, the, I lost my train of thought. Do you remember what I was saying? Visual language? Film? No. You interrupted yourself and then you yeah, got yourself fucked. Yeah, I know. Oh, well. Whatever, man. Oh, the driving away. We when got he, it. The, yeah, the driving away. So, you know, that scene of Nick driving away, you know, he's doing the whole hand out the window and he sticks his head out the window. You think like, oh, great, everything's going to be fine. And then it, Again, it does it again, right? Mm-hmm. We in this like maybe the second or third time that and you know it's um, it's uh, Heart of Gold, right? Playing yes. uh, yeah, Neil yeah. Young, yeah, yeah. And but then you know, but then we we're getting these flashes of Nick's life, uh, him graduating high school, and you know, and it's all too much for him. So kind of you know, kind of I keep bringing up Requiem for a Dream, but shout out to Requiem for a Dream, you know, yeah. where anytime. As I said in that episode, every time Jared Leto starts to feel something, he gets high. Yeah. And it's almost, that was sort of Nick's uh, thing is he's starting to feel depressed and thinking about all these great moments in his life. Again, I didn't get this far, Um, but I like that he calls Spencer in this book, uh, Spencer, um, and then we never see him again. Right. It's almost like in my mind, and of course in the film's, you know, narrative structure, it makes it feel like he called him, he lied to him, and then never saw him again. Right? Almost completely severing that tie with, with hanging up that phone. Yeah. Um, he knew because he was calling Spencer, you know, as a last ditch effort, please talk me out of it, right? And then near the end of that conversation, they're ta- they're they're both having the same conversation, but really they're not because Spencer's like, I got him. I'm gonna have dinner with him. I got him off the ledge. We're fine. And then Nick is like, This didn't work. I'm gonna relapse. You know, I'm sorry. And they're again, they're having the same conversation, but they're completely different outcomes. Um, well, and that's something. Yeah. In the mo- in David's book. You know, when when he finally puts his foot down and tells Nick, no, call your sponsor, Randy Spencer, uh, calls David. Because mm-hmm. Nick actually calls him. Calls oh, Randy. okay. Well, this is before the big, this is after you know, Nick's deep into his big relapse. Yeah. And uh, Randy Spencer calls David and is like, I just heard from him. I've got him. And I'm going to take care of him. And he does, uh, which is something I wish we would have seen. Yeah, because, well, I do like that sort of 
I mean, it's it's sad, but I like it in an emotional way and in a in a character way mm. that we're done, right? Yeah. And I'm and we never see him again. Yeah, we never. And it see almost him. feels like you know that was you know I don't know why I like that. I do. Well, but, it makes, but I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, you know, yeah, for you, but I like sad things. So. Yeah, but um, a man, uh, you know, and Nick in the movie, Nick has every opportunity to stop you know we've seen him hit bottom multiple times steals from his family you know even breaks back into their home which is a, a, a portion of the book as yeah, well. yeah um but it's not until witnessing lauren's od does he finally sort of i guess get it like he still keeps using after that but I feel like the movie version, there's a little part of him that knows I need to stop, mm-hmm. but he can't because mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a thing of he doesn't know how. I don't think he wants to. There is, it was either in the, if you heard the book, I, I'm, I apologize to the audience that, you know, I keep, you know, referencing the book because this isn't a book podcast, but um, that's he, fine. he mentions that he's terrified to stop because of how painful it's going to be. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that's a big part of David's book is telling the listener or the reader about Nick's pain. Well, and that's a big part of the, the film's narrative is, is David trying to figure out not only emotionally how to deal with it, but physically what's happening to him. Right. Mm. He goes to great cameo from Timothy Hutton yeah, before he got canceled. Um, he, he goes to the doctors and like, okay, tell me physically, biologically what is happening to him. See, and I really like that scene because in the book, it just sounds like David is reading articles oh, okay. about what yeah. methamphetamine, which was. also he does. He right? does. Yeah. But I really liked this personification of him actually talking to an expert. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. And him explaining it to him. And, and showing him. like Right. Um, literally the, what's happening. But in the conversation he and Karen have, Dave and Karen, about how Nick can recover uh, happens in the book. That, of course, it's not a conversation he's having. It's more of like a, a thought. Nick can recover. It may take him two years, but he can recover yeah. if he just stops. But, but yeah. Um, and there is even this sort of connection with the two of them that that sort of in a in a sort of morbid way bonds them is their their need for knowledge and need for research because also in the book, but in the movie, I love that they touched on this. He looks up how to properly inject. Uh, heroin into a vein he uh, he looks that up in the library do you remember yeah um he he did that for real he which is such you know in in police terms it's first degree like he this is forethought you know what i mean yeah. like he he knows he's going to he just wants to do it safely or at least the best way he can right he doesn't want right. to fuck it up and so uh i love that he goes to the library and just googles how to do it yeah, right. he doesn't worry about all the other students around no, him. No, he looks around. But, it, you know, I love that that sort of that need for knowledge and need to understand sort of bonds the two of them in in this new way, right? It's yeah. it's terrible because they're, you know, one's trying to figure out how to save his son and... The other's trying to... Ruin yeah. his life, right? Yeah. Um, 
and in the book it goes into detail about him like searching for veins and digging around in there it's gross but i do like that we don't really see any of his track marks until yeah. his second od Whew. and there's a bunch yeah um now i don't remember in the book in david's book of him ODing twice. I remember the one in New York where David goes to get him and he's gone. Honestly, the way the movie is set up and the way the narrative is laid out, it's hard for me to remember what comes before what. Yeah. Uh, it might just be because I'm dumb. But I and I watched it yesterday. But <laughs> I again it's the it's the hindrance of watching a movie just once for this. Yeah. Uh, so this season's gonna be full of that. But um it's hard for me to remember this came before this, but this came after that, right? Yeah. In terms of, because it's it's not really jumping back and forth necessarily besides the flashbacks, which are easily spotted, right? Because it's a different actor, but yeah. um, it to me, it's like, oh, fuck, did that come before the Lorno deed or whatever? Um, so I'm glad you're here for that. Yeah. I can't do that. Uh, speaking of the, the part I was talking about in David's memoir of, you know, Nick and Jasper talking. I do love that scene where they're talking together. Where Nick is like, is it weird for you, me being back? And, you know, Jasper's like, oh, you know, I thought it was going to be a little weird, but you're still the same old Nick. And it was just so... It's sweet, the two of them together. Yeah. On it, the beach, right? Yeah. From what I, yeah, from what I gather from David's memoir, uh, Nick loves his half-siblings, Jasper and Daisy. Are they twins? No. They're okay. two years apart. Because a part in the a part in the uh, David's memoir, he mentions how it couldn't matter. Jasper's nine and Daisy's seven. It couldn't matter in the least. But I, I just you know, in the movie, they looked like twins to me. Yeah, because they're curly blonde hair. Yeah. Um. But, man. Um. Okay. I need to get. I need to hammer this down. I need to understand if I like this movie or not because. There are things about it that I love, right? Yeah. There, I love the performances. I love that visual language of, you know, taking what we know about movies and, you know, using it against us. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. But well, there's a reason I'm on the fence. I just don't know why. I don't know why I'm on the fence because I should love it and I don't know why I don't. I don't know why it's not a slam dunk for me. Well, let me ask you this, man. Sure. Um what was your favorite part of the film, and then what was your least favorite part? Okay, that's a good one. I mean, while you're thinking, I'll tell you one of my sure. one of my favorite parts of the movie was the diner scene. You know, uh, of you know your you know I was your I was a special little thing to you, and. You know, now I'm not. And he's like, well, who are you, Nick? You know, this is me, Dad. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, and the reason why I like that so much is because even though he's, quote unquote, five days sober. You know, Nick, he's not. He's not. Nick is so confident that this is who he is. Right. Um, and, you know, it's it's rough. Um you know, which is is a kind of a contradiction. I said it's one of my favorite parts, but it it's rough to see this father who doesn't know how to help, and the son who is in denial. Um, and I would say my least favorite part 
is a lot of the major things in the in David's memoir that they kind of left out or it just sort of glazed over real quick. So it's sort of omissions you don't like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, granted, I understand that they couldn't adapt everything from David's memoir. Otherwise, it would have been a four-hour-long movie. <clears throat> they could have, but that's fine. We've discussed how. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, like, it's mentioned very briefly, like, when Nick goes to college and Nick's roommate is into, like, essentially basic white music. Because Nick is, like, because it's a very it's a big point in the book. Fifty Second Street's a really good album, by the way. He lives it. It's Billy Joel. Uh, well, that, well, Nick's like into Nirvana. Yeah, and yeah. he's into you know more punk music. Um, and Nick, which is verbatim from the book, where Nick says, "Oh, don't worry, I'll educate him." Um, so things like that, I was like, eh, about. But I mean, on the whole, I really loved it. Yeah. You know, again, like I said at the top of the show stories of fathers and sons it hits home for me you know yeah i i'm thinking i think one of my favorite parts is it's a flashback it's the airport right mm. oh fuck you know i i love you more than everything and then you know he's everything he goes everything everything right that's yeah. sweet it's cute well and, and that, it's so sad in the context of the scene oh right? that's in the scene that's what made me cry is yeah. i was just in tears well, and, and that is Nick and David's thing. Yeah. Um, because in that featurette, David talks about, like, you know, when we when we would tell each other everything, that would mean, you know, feeling all the sadness, all the joy. Like, that's what it meant. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, and it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. So I really liked that because okay. in the context of the scene, he's in an airport, right? He is going to get his son or at least try. Well, he's 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 dropping. He's dropping six-year-old Nick off. Well, that's the flashback. I'm talking the in um, modern day. No, in the in the in the time period that uh, the movie is in. Oh, okay. Uh, he's in an airport. That's where the memory comes from. Uh, I believe. Again, yes, I'm bad he, at this. I think it's when he. Um... It's early when he's uh, when he's trying to get to New York, mm-hmm. or, or, or or after he'd been told Nick checked himself out, right? And he doesn't know what else to do but to go home, mm-hmm. and right. then that triggers and that triggers that memory, the memory of of having to drop Nick off, and you know. And again, I like that. I obviously it's my favorite, but it's the first thing that came to mind. Um, least favorite. It'd be hard because there's nothing that again. For me to really dislike something, I have to hate it <laughs> or be angry. And nothing may be angry. Nothing may be. Okay, you know, then let me rephrase sick. the least least favorite as more of a the the scene that you were eh, about, or the thing that you were. Eh, yeah, about. it'd probably have to be a thing. I don't think it'd be a specific scene necessarily because things work. That's why I'm so conflicted because. Um, it's a great question because I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I. I'm conflicted on the ending because I like the fact that it ends on a low note, which I like, right? Yeah, Nick Nick has finally hit bottom, um, but his dad is, David is still there for him. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that scene almost got me too, where they're just sitting silently in, in, the, in the courtyard at the rehab facility. And it's and, almost as if David is trying to keep his distance this time, right? Um, 
he, you know, helps him out the door into his seat, but he's not touching him, right? Not really. I think he's got a hand on his shoulder. Maybe. Uh, not, not yet. Not yet, right? Not yet. He, David said, I think, I think it's one of those, they don't know, they're playing a game of chicken. Who's going to be the first one to talk? And it's, and I can understand this completely. It's now he, now that there's been a pattern, he's tired of the back and forth. David is mm-hmm. right. He's tired of the, this is the last time he's tired of, I'm going to do better. Yeah. Right. Because it's got him the first couple of times. And now it's like, well, those were lies, right. Or yeah. not lies, but they, he didn't follow through. Right? right. And so you can see that in his performance, which I love. Right. Yeah. And then of course, you know, Nick, you know, trying to stay strong, I guess, mm-hmm. knowing how badly he, he messed up. Yeah. But then finally breaks and hugs his dad. And then that's when David hugs him back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More of a, it's going to be okay. Yeah. You're still my son. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're still my son. Um, but yeah, you know, I get, you know, ending, ending it like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a little bit like, Oh, it's over. Right. <laughs> like, oh. oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Um, the text was, Almost unnecessary. Yeah, because they did. I mean, and I understand why they did it. They focused more on how rehab facilities are underfunded. Yep. Which they are. Because that's a big thing with Nick and David now. Yep. Is we as a country do not have the resources mm-hmm. to help people with addiction. And I get that. And I get that they're trying to make awareness for that. And yep. I'm sure that's probably something David and Nick really was like, hey, of course, push for. I'm please. 100%. Like, I believe that. And I get that. Yeah, I really do, but I, I agree. Yes, we need a catch-up. How's Nick now? You know, because this is supposed to be 20, 2005. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, how's Nick now? Yeah. And, of course, we get the, you know, Nick is now happily eight years sober, which, of course, it's relative to when the movie came out, uh, which would be he fully, so that was 2018, so then he fully got sober 2010. Then. So he still has five years of... You know, relapsing, right? Yeah. Uh, which is, if it was 2005, it's hard to pinpoint because there's there's a time where Katrina was happening and they're watching it on the TV, right? Yeah. In yeah. the hotel room, right? And the, so you can kind of pinpoint the book. In the book, fast forwards through a lot of the years, right, and, right, 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 and, and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I I I'm struggling with, and I don't know why. Who cares if I like it or not? But I. Well, I mean, yeah. There are but, things I love about the movie. I just don't know if I love the movie. Well, and it might just be because I've seen a million of these. I, well, Sarah, I'll tell you what. I gave it, I went back and forth on this for a little bit. I almost gave it a three and a half on yeah. my letterbox. I gave it a four. Okay. Um, Ooh, three and a half sounds right. I, to me. I might change it to three and a half. I didn't hate the movie. No. I, I, I did love it. I, you there know, are things I, to love about this movie, and I've talked about those. I, I just think that, and we usually don't do this. We usually don't talk about if we like it or not. Who fucking cares? But uh, well, I mean, I've mentioned on the podcast of uh, dude, I didn't like this. Movie. I don't know if we've spent this much time on it, but I, uh, but I did struggle with um, my thoughts because I, you know, there there's something about it that it's just like it's not maybe, hitting maybe, me the way it should. Maybe you need a second rewatch. Maybe. And then when we do next week's episode, you can be like, "Hey, update." Maybe it's not. I love be, the movie now. It's not gonna be that soon. Uh, <laughs> got m- more movies to watch uh, yeah. before then. Um, 
again, the performance is spot on. Loved them. There is no one better to play a drug addict than Timothy Chalamet. Because he already, he already lost looks up. weight for this movie. He looks Where? exactly the same. Where did he lose it? I don't know. He said he lost 18 pounds for this movie. Is that dangerous for him? Yes. He's already so skinny? Yes. It's Fuck. gotta be. Because, um, dude, in Dune, I'm like, Jesus, put a shirt on. Uh, I know. Thank God. Jesus Christ, you're gonna die. Thank God Denis did not have him without a shirt on a lot of the times. Yeah, too much because I'm like, Jesus Christ. Uh, dude is real thin. So, yeah, man. but again, no one, per- no one better. Yeah, he, he did great. Um, and of course, as what I was kind of showing you with that featurette, you know, he talked to Nick about, you know, how does it feel? Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, we see that, you know, we see on his face the, the euphoria, the holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah. Especially when he does it when he's at college. Yeah. And he's just kind of roaming around. And he's just like. In his silly hat. Dude, I love the hat. All right. I got to have one. The, uh, the screenwriter. Is also a recovering yeah. drug addict. Yeah, uh, I, I learned that in that feature as well because he actually didn't want to do it because once he learned the subject matter, he was like, Ooh. But then when he was told about the project is right around the time our boy, Philip Seymour Hoffman, passed away and his the screenwriter's dad said, you know, I'm so glad you're still here. And that was kind of like the ping to him like, I have to do this. Yeah, it's interesting because... Um, because you know it's one of those instances where these people these two gentlemen wrote books that and i find this fascinating that you know they wrote books about their life and neither of them were like well known or anything it's not like you know what i mean like these are just average people i mean one of them is a freelance writer for magazines or whatever but that's well and seeing that's how it started um David's book started as an article he wrote for the New York Times. Makes sense. And then it was so well received that he was offered a book deal. Yeah. And wrote it into a book. And then Nick was reached out to and was like, hey, would you like to tell your story? And so so Nick has written two books, Tweak and uh, When We All Fall Down. And then... Right around the time of the movie's release, so they wrote a book together called High, which is, it's more about what people go through mm-hmm. with addiction, like the family, the person themselves. Gotcha. And then, of course, Nick has now written a couple novels himself, and apparently he's writing for TV now. As I told you, he's... What is... Okay, so Tweak is obviously the his side of the story. What is and we all fall down. What more could he have done? I think it's more about addiction. I see. It, it's. I think it's just about maybe. It's not necessarily a uh, about a, his story. I, I think it. it's just more about addiction and about. Um, got it. Why he wanted to get high and, and maybe. I don't Interesting. Know, okay. Maybe. <laughs> I I briefly read a little blurb about it on Bards and Noble because I I thought he'd only written Tweak and then started writing novels. Right. But, but then, then on Bards and Noble, I found that I was like. Oh, okay. Yeah, he wrote no. two books. Yeah. Shout out to Audible. They're free on Audible. Uh, no, they're not. No, they're not. They're free to me. <laughs> Why do you have the plus? Mom must have gotten it. I don't know. I'm on her account. So no, I had to. Well, I had to. Ask, well, luckily, I asked mom to, credits to gift it to me. She has credits, nice. so she gifted it to me. Okay, cool. I, she must have some sort of like wild 
uh, my mom, I think she's probably got the premium. Yeah, my mom probably like she's balling out on that <laughs> Audible because I'm like, oh shit, I can just download it. Holy shit! Yeah, I was, yeah, really, I was really excited. Then I got on there. I was like, yeah, purchase now by signing up for Audible Plus or you know whatever it's called. And I was like, well, fuck that. Dude, mom's balling out. I don't know what she's doing over there, man. She's got money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jeremy, are you ready to wrap up? Wrap up? Wrap up? I am. I don't know my feelings yet. And you know what? That's okay. Um, I mean, that's fine. We'll, I mean, we'll end that the way the movie ended. We'll just, uh, to be continued. Um, just cut, cut it now. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-sentence, or mid-sentence. Well, yeah, um, my favorite bit from Family Guy. Well, it's going to be like the Sopranos, just cut it mid sit. <laughs> yeah. Technically, it was mid-lyric, but yeah. God, I love the Sopranos. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> I liked the movie. Don't know if I loved it. I probably don't. And um, yeah, again... Performance is amazing. I think the story is compelling. I think it'd be cool to get two movies instead of one out of it. I think that would have been rad. Timothy Chalamet, if you're listening, go back to Nick and be like, yo, dog, we're going to redo this. It's too late. Um, nah, it's never too late. It's too late. You ruined it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. I, I just don't know how I feel. Um, I mean, I'll follow, you know, I can all, oh, it's not like I'll never see you again, you know, we'll always, That's true. I'll always follow back up with you and be like, did you rewatch it? The answer's going to be no for a while. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Uh, I love the performances. Um, I love seeing a comedic actor take on a dramatic role, you know, and Steve Carell. And of course, Steve has been doing a little bit more serious yeah, roles. Yeah, Steve, Steve Carell's been doing dramas for a while now. I, I, Big Short. Gotta see that. Well, it's, see all, it's, on, it's on the... It's Is on. it still? I mean, it's not on my list for this season anymore because right, I don't think it is. We've switched. So, yeah. we, we've tweaked it. I've tweaked mine. So and <laughs> it's not done. I'll probably do it again. Oh, uh, God. But uh, but yeah, man, you know, I mean, and it's just, again, you know, kind of shout out to our Goofy Movie episode. Just fathers and sons, man. They get you. They get you. Yeah. But uh, so, buddy, what are we, we going to talk about next week? That's a great question. Um, you said I'll know, which I'm worried. But You'll figure it out. Um, cause you don't have it yet, but you will, uh, next week we are talking about, um, we are discussing, um, hold on. Let's see if I can get it. I can't, I don't remember all their names. Anyway, it's the Marx brothers. We're going to be talking about duck duck soup. soup. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's Harpo Groucho. Shit. It doesn't matter. We're gonna be talking about duck soup. Um, we're really changing it up because I it was gonna. I was is this gonna, a comedy? Yeah. Wait, you've chosen a comedy from the 1930s. Yeah. Nice. It's not only a comedy; it's a comedy musical. All their oh, it's all, sweet Jesus. all of their movies were musicals, at least to an extent. Um, I'm excited, man. I it would be, I would live over half my life that I've lived right now. When I noticed his mustache was, was grease paint. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I read that somewhere. You know, uh, speaking of the Marx Brothers, and then we can end the episode. I, um, uh, you never saw me like this, thank God. Because looking back, I'm like, why did I do that? Uh, I did something crazy with my hair a while back, where I, or people who are watching will see, I shaved all of this. Oh yeah. And and kept all this on top. Yo. Um, and I would put it up in a samurai bun, because I would grow. I would just keep this part growing. Sure. Well, I went to bed one night with it still pulled up, and uh, when I woke up the next morning, my hair was parted and curly, and I was like, holy shit, I look like one of the Marx Brothers. Yeah, you look like Groucho. Um, that's hilarious. 
So it was like the the Jake Gyllenhaal cut in Prisoners, like that shit. Pretty much, yeah. But see, the problem is I didn't slick my hair back, and my oh. hair gets really curly mm. and wavy. So the longer it got, it was like. And so finally, uh, that's a shame. What what made me decide to stop doing that is when I, uh, I shortly after I proposed to Ashley, and then got my job at Best Buy. I started growing it back out again. At least to a point where I could go get it cut and it would all be even. Ashley still dated you with your haircut like that? She actually really liked it. Oh, wow. Uh, you should do it again. Why not? Uh, no. Maybe, maybe do it and then slick it back like uh, like uh, Jake G. But the problem was is that I kept growing it. Yeah, so see, that's the problem. You got to keep long... getting it cut. Yeah, no. Once a month, bro. No, never. No. No? Never do that. It is the coolest haircut, I think. Um... On Jake Gyllenhaal. I think well, it's so yeah. dope. In Prisoners, like, I was like, dude, how can I? I can't because my hair gets also too curly and wavy. No, but no, I'll never do it again. But anyway. I understand. <laughs> anyway. Well, everyone, so next week, Marx Brothers. All right. Duck yeah. Soup. But yeah, I know you sent me the thing. Considered to be one of the greatest movies of all time. It's AFI's, I think. Dude, we've... T- we've I think it's top 10. I'm going to be real. Hang AFI's on. top 100. We're going to end it with this real quick. There's too many movies that have gotten the greatest movie of all time. I know, right? I said one of, but it's, you know, it's up there on AFI's top 100. I think it's like top 10 on their list. Um, It's a political satire of the time. Uh, Well, of course. Everyone's making political satires. Everyone has. Golly. I know. Anyway, uh, we hope you guys enjoyed Beautiful Boy. Um, I hope it wasn't as heavy as I was thinking it might be. To me, it was a little more chaotic we were trying to oh, well. pinpoint who cares oh, whatever well. you listen to it i don't zach yeah, i was thanks. gonna say zach's the only one listening that's true uh but anyway um again we hope you enjoyed beautiful boy and we will see you next week for duck soup close your eyes have no fear the monster's gone he's on the